Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Bite-Sized Virtue. This is... And of course, that truck would just happen to start right as I'm walking by it, wouldn't it? Isn't that just fitting? Anyways, this is episode one of season five of Bite-Sized Virtue. And I apologize for how late this episode is, because... Of course, if you're new to what I'm doing here, Bite-Sized Virtue is a series I run two times a year with Spam 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 Humbug. The... First time you'll hear it in a calendar year is during the season of Lent and then Easter. Um, so you can expect another set of these episodes come February. And the second time you'll hear it in a calendar year is around Christmas time, Advent, the build up to Christmas time. And then, you know, usually a little bit after Christmas as well. From my perspective, though, this is actually the start of it because I tend to actually think, I mean, I like to celebrate New Year's as much as anybody, but for me, because, you know, I do try as much as possible to frame my thinking in terms of, you know, my Catholic faith, Advent is actually kind of, it feels more like a new year to me because that's when the new liturgical year starts. So we actually think of, you know, the beginning of Advent as the beginning of a new year within the church and within the cycle of its teachings. So... Happy New Year, I suppose, is not uh, an unfitting thing that I can offer you. And this kicks off another round of Bite-Sized Virtue episodes, season five, as I like to call it. But I'm recording this on a Thursday, not on a Sunday or in time for publishing just after a Sunday, because uh, it's Thursday and I finally got my voice back. If you're listening to my scouting podcast, uh, the episode that I posted at the start of the week, I was croaky and hoarse, and it just, yeah, it was bad. So it's been roughly a week, and that just seems to be a thing that I get now. Every time I get a cold, I get laryngitis. It's terrible. But whatever. Such is the uh, the way of things. I'm walking around Lacombe, Alberta. This is a small town in kind of central Alberta. It's a little north of a city called Red Deer. It's about 160 kilometers south of Edmonton. And I'm there, I've been doing work at a facility near here all week. So, you know, consequently, I find myself walking around at lunchtime. And I figured, you know what? I've got all my mobile recording gear. So, apart from the fact that there's some background traffic noise and whatnot, I'm going to give a go at uh, recording an episode. Because, hey, I should totally kick that off. Now... I posted a survey on the Ultimate Dragons Facebook page just asking, like, hey, what topic should I really cover? And at least the last time I looked, the overwhelming majority of opinions um, seem to be in favor of the virtue of humility. And you know what? I think that's actually going to be a really fun topic to dissect over the course of the next few weeks. And hopefully I'll be able to get... Um, different people on, whether I invite my friend Paul back, we've had some good fun talking on these sessions before, whether I can find maybe Clortos Dragon, I know he's been a guest before, maybe other dragons too, who knows, we will see. Humility though, I think is definitely going to be the topic we focus on. And <laughs> happily, some of the other podcasts I listened to, two in particular, one was uh, a recent sermon by Father Robert Barron, now Bishop Barron, I guess I should call him, because <laughs> he kind of got that promotion a little while ago, didn't he? Um, but also, uh, there's another podcast I listen to, also a Catholic podcast called The Liturgy Guys. And these guys, um, they actually like really go into detail about just little particular bits of Catholic liturgy, which is to say, you know, the, like the how Catholics worship God. And actually, I'm going to kick off with something they said, not with any particular topic that they were addressing, but just 
There's a concept in ontology called simplicity, sometimes also called parsimony. Um, this relates to things like Occam's razor, right? Don't unnecessarily complicate. Don't, don't introduce unnecessary stuff into, into an equation or to an experiment, you know? Ontological simplicity is, should be, um, a subject that's, you know, reasonably familiar to any of you who have some grounding in philosophy. But the thing about it is, ontological simplicity as applied to science is one thing. Ontological simplicity as applied to people gets kind of interesting. And I think it kind of points us towards humility. Simplicity and humility are a little bit different, although there is some, you know, they, they are somewhat synonymous as well, but they're a little bit different. But, you know, think about, think about what does it mean for a human being to be ontologically simple? Well, that means that you have a human being that doesn't have anything else cluttering up, obstructing its humanness. Or in a way, I guess you could say that, you know, the ontologically simple human being is also the most fully human human being, right? Because they are maximum in a way in their humanness. They are unabashedly, un, you know, uncontroversially, unassailably human. And they are discernible as such. There's nothing else, no additional elements that occlude their humanness. What does it mean for someone to be ontologically simple in what they do? What, it, what is an ontologically, you know, what does it mean to carry out your role, whatever that might be, in a way that is ontologically simple? It means that you are, you know, that in its clearest expression, doesn't it? What, what does it mean for like a king? You know, what, what is the ontologically simple king look like? Well, it's not a king who goes about dressed in sackcloth and ashes. In fact, that might obscure the understanding of the king as king. An ontologically simple king isn't one who hides his kingship, but rather one who is the most kingly king. Someone who's, you know, un, un, unassailably and very assuredly a king. And what do we think about, like, when we think about, you know, what, what makes a good king, right? I mean, obviously someone who has a certain element of regality and a certain element of, you know, formality. We tend to, you know, think of the ideal of the good king as also, you know, being steeped in justice and, you know, very uh, passionately devoted to the ideal of justice, right? As opposed to a tyrannical king who is unjust. So... Like I say, the, the liturgy guys were talking about how it's appropriate for the Mass to be ontologically simple, or how it's important for all of the different elements present in the Catholic Mass to be ontologically simple, which is not to say that they should be simplistic in the sense of, you know, stripped down to, you know, mere childishness, but rather that they should be <laughs> obviously the most obviously discernible as what they are. What does it mean for a church to be ontologically simple? Well, it means that it's discernibly a church, maximally discernible as a church, which may not necessarily mean, you know, a very 
um, stripped down interior and may not mean a very basic altar. For a cathedral, that could actually mean to have a great many trappings of beauty and, and opulence, right? Because what is, you know, what, what is the purpose of a church building? Well, it's to be a house of worship to God. That should carry through in the visuals, right? Not because God desires riches, but because riches are a thing that we have as people in the world that we can use, and we can use it to the benefit of others, yes, but we can also use it to signify things of great importance to us. And so there's a certain appropriateness to, you know, I mean, obviously, like there's a certain appropriateness and a certain calling for Christians to devote their time and treasure to taking care of the less fortunate. But equally, there's a certain appropriateness in the construction of churches to, you know, use things of great beauty, use things of a certain opulence to praise God, or as, you know, as a means of adding to our praise of God when we gather in the church. Anyways, that's what the liturgy guys were going on about. And it's just this concept of ontological simplicity. And like I say, simplicity doesn't really relate directly to humility, but there is a lot of, they they are fairly synonymous. There's a lot of overlap there. And then I was listening to the most recent, as of this recording, sermon by Bishop Barron. And he got to talking about, well, he got to talking about St. John of the Cross. And in particular about St. John of the Cross's, um, focus or discussion of, discussion of, focus on, discussion of attachments. Now, what is an attachment? Well, an attachment is something that is good. You know, it's a good that we place too much emphasis on, that we focus on too much, that we cling to too tightly, whether that's wealth, power, fame, you know, political goodwill, all of those things. Attachments, and you know, because it's not that, you know, and again, not saying wealth is not evil. Even politics is not evil. But we can become inordinately fixated on these things. We can become um, attached to these things in ways that are not good for us. So, you know, an attachment in this sense that it is discussed. And I think this is actually, you know, like if you look into, say, the mythos of Star Wars, you see this too, right? Jedi are not supposed to have attachments. And that's not to say that Jedi can't feel love for people. It's not to say that Jedi can't have possessions. But it is to say that Jedi shouldn't pursue these things in a way that becomes consuming, right? And I mean, obviously, that's what Anakin's downfall was, was the fact that his love for Padme was something that consumed him. His fear of losing her was ultimately his downfall. Attachments are inordinate and potentially dangerous connections that we establish with things that are, in and of themselves, goods. And of course, in my head, I immediately brought this back to the liturgy guys. You know, what is then, how how do we start to become ontologically simple? We start by asking ourselves, you know, again, what is that concept of ontological simplicity? It's, as applied to a human, it means that we're very apparently human. We are maximally apparent as humans. Our humanness is not occluded by anything. And I think the path to being that begins by 
realizing what our attachments are and shedding them. Because it's those attachments that are those occlusions. It's those attachments that inhibit us from becoming maximally ourselves. It's those attachments that inhibit us from achieving that ontological simplicity that really, I think, maybe we all desire to be, or if we don't, I don't know. I mean, I would like to hope that that sort of simplicity is something that we would all desire, right? Because, you know, who doesn't want to be the most themselves that they can be? Anyways, attachments, those, you know, that inordinate clinging, even to something good, those are those occlusions. Those are those things that totally inhibit us or significantly inhibit us from becoming maximally ourselves. And I think this is where really the connection to humility starts to come in. Because, you know, I mean, especially if we look at how humility is portrayed in Ultima, it's very, <laughs> it's a very stark and almost absolutist take on it, right? But if you think about the citizens of Numaginsia, they shed everything for a very basic lifestyle. But the message that they, you know, that the games try to communicate through us is that in doing so, they really become the most authentic version of themselves. They find an immense joy and happiness in that because there's nothing else cluttering it up. There's nothing else getting in the way of their enjoyment of, you know, just being who they are and living out their being as themselves, as, in, as individuals, to the maximum amount possible. Connor would be, I guess, the, the ultimate example, right? The humblest man <clears throat> who would be the last one to admit his own humility, but who, you know, gave up everything and just, you know, became the simplest person, despite having come from what was very obviously a background steeped in glory and honor and knightly virtues and whatever else. So, and I'm not saying, you know, get rid of everything. Yeah, that, that's not where I'm trying to go with this. I think, you know, ultimately what we see in Ultima is, you know, meant to be as kind of that really far flung end point of what humility is. <laughs> but I think that, you know, for us, there is still a lesson there. Get rid of the clutter in our lives. Get rid of the stuff that we're attached to in ways that aren't healthy for us. And in doing so, might find a little more of ourselves underneath all that. And that, I think, is the pathway to humility. Anyways, thank you for listening. I hope that this completely off-the-cuff uh, first episode gave you at least something to think about. It's almost the weekend, so there'll be another episode coming out very soon. And I will talk to you next week. So until then, be virtuous. Thank you.